Welcome to Slash Report. I'm Prue, and this week I'm joined by my ever-present partner in crime, MK. Hello. And our Chicago Bureau dialing in, Hoyden. Hey, girl. Hello. How are you? Uh, you know, just kicking it. Just kicking it old school? Yeah, you know it. I was just like, actually, when so you call, I was in the middle of, I'm not joking, sorting my Dijinchi collection to sell some stuff off. And uh, I was like, oh man, this is like a memory trip down down a terrible lane of things I should have considered a lot, basically. But for, for the interest of our listeners, <laughs> what Dijinchi are you selling? <laughs> oh my god um actually it was it was shameful because i started to go through several shelves and i thought wow i don't remember oh oh did i just yeah no oh no that was all bad like why did that happen what fandoms uh, are we talking about though well actually i was i was going through my um pretty heinous star trek Dijinshi collection yeah uh, of which <laughs> no it is all terrible like there was literally one good Dijinshi out of the, the 50 I have. But wait, so I have a question. Epic. Are you Sorry? talking, are you talking like Angel Fire Star Trek or are you talking like Zachary Quinto Star Trek? Oh, I'm talking about Angel Fire Star Trek. My <laughs> Why friend. do you own Angel Fire? I love how that is the differentiating element now. Why do you own Angel Fire Star Trek? Listen, I don't know. It was like 2006. I was in Japan. I was, I got into DS9 for some reason while I was there. It made no sense. Whoa, okay. whoa. Not even like Kirk and Spock. We're talking no. DS. Jesus. No, actually, no, I bought indiscriminately. I have like all Star Trek, all of it, all representations thereof. Well, I guess that is a slightly mitigating. No, no, it's still bad. No, this is shameful. We should stop talking about this. I, I mean, after all, I'm going to try to dupe somebody to buying this off of me. So four minutes uh, into the episode, one of us thinks we should stop. <laughs> <laughs> is that's not even a new record no <laughs> no no not at all I think, uh, i'm pretty sure mk tried to stop it once when we'd been like one minute in so really we're the best we're so the best we're so good at this all right that's <laughs> what, what were we actually going to talk about this episode all right tropes fanfic tropes 50 50 fanfic tropes 50 50 fanfic tropes i don't know what that means bro it's yeah, a term what? i just invented what does it mean uh, it means that it's a trope that could either go really right or really wrong. And let's face it. That, I feel like that's a blanket statement, though. Like, anything could go really right or really wrong. It's not just specific tropes that have that. Well, I think we're talking about the ones that happen the most often, right? It's something where you read the description on Pinboard or whatever, and you're like, do I want to click on that? Like, it could be amazing, yes. or it could be someone locking themselves in a room and cutting themselves for six hours. <laughs> And you don't know. Like, you literally can't tell. I don't know why you think that cutting yourself for six hours is bad. That's that's how I write all of my stories until I get to editing, right? It's, I have SGA-related trauma. Let's put it that way. <laughs> okay. It's like shaking with silent laughter for five minutes there, FYI. Nice. <laughs> it's because Hoyden knows exactly what I'm talking about. Um, oh, it's only because every time we go on skateboard now, it's just like, you're like, look at this thing. It has a baby in it. I'm pretty sure I want to, oh, I don't know. I don't know. And then sometimes, like, MK's like, I'm going in. I'm like, yes, yes. Like, Godspeed, my friend. In... Let me know if you about the other side. I know that Prue is not in Teen Wolf fandom, but for everyone else, the Hoyden, 20-something, and I have a deal. <laughs> We're like, we will find something terrible sounding on Pinboard for this fandom, and we'll send it to each other, and then it's like a, 
Who's going in? Because one of us has to test the waters and see if they're shark infested. You guys test the waters for shark infestation, but let's actually get to our first trope. Okay, so we actually asked everyone on Twitter, you yes. know, which ones would they like to hear about? And we did get some some interesting submissions, and I agree with, like, pretty much all of them. So, the first one is from Regicidal Dwarf, and she suggested Soul Bonding Dom Sub, which, last night, I had to explain to my friend Bad Jew, this is a specific kind of soul bonding, because there are different kinds. This is, like, specifically the, like, we are in a Dom Sub relationship, and that means that our souls will bond kind of story. Wait, are you sure? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is oh, a thing. No, no Prue I- and I are well experienced in this field. I Do you want to, I've never read a good one. <laughs> okay, I think here's the thing for like, me. Sorry, fandom, if you have written one. I'm sure it's great and I haven't read it before. And yours would be the one that would break the pattern. But I've never read a good one. That was sarcasm. That was clearly sarcasm. <laughs> but, I, but I feel like the reason, I, I mean... The reason that I, I, like, am rolling my eyes so hard at this trope is just because I feel, I, I truly believe that anything can be done well, right? It's all in the execution. But, like, when you're doing, when, okay, first of all, soul bonding itself is already, like, a level of, like, crazy, like, yes, let me roll around in this molasses self-indulgence. And then DS, as it's written oftentimes mm-hmm. in fandom, is like another level of soul bond, like another level of like self-indulgence. And when you like mix those two together, that's like Hannibal Lecter was like too, too much is just right. But that's like too, too, too much. <laughs> There's just it's a very it would be tough to make that compelling to me. The way I read it is very specific, which is, you know, like when you see something that's going to come out like a movie or a TV show and you're like, that looks just terrible enough that I know I'm going to enjoy it. Yeah, yes, no problem. That's exactly what I'm looking for. I actually sort of view it in a lot of ways as a strange, it seems like a repatterning of my interest in, for example, the semi-uke relationship in manga. Um, in anime, so that um, not only do I get the deliciousness of soul bonding, which I fucking love, okay? Like me and soul bonding, like we... Oh, I'm with you. I'm totally there with you. I just, I can't help it. Like, it's you are <laughs> Okay, guys, like, let me, like, explain to you, like, my love of soul bonding is so strong that even in universes where you cannot even, like, reasonably explain soul bonding, like, it shouldn't happen, I'm just like, no, give it to me, give it to me right now. Like, if there Um, were NHL fic right now that had soul bonding, but it was just, like, our universe, but they happened to soul bond, I would probably click on it. Baby, there are, like, three of those, and there's, like, another one coming out in, like, two weeks, and it's gonna be so good for me, and by extension, you. You gonna send me some recs? Because I will uh, read those. I am gonna send... I I could make recs at the end of this podcast if you gave me, like, two seconds. But my point is, I mean, I guess it is all the execution, but it's also, of course, always in what you're weak to, and... I'll read. I will definitely read Soul Bonding DS as long as I agree with who is the D and the S in a relationship. Otherwise, it's dead to me. I can't read Oh, it. yeah. If they do the wrong, I'm going to say order, yeah. then I'm like, what did you just do and why? Like, why would you waste my time like that? Nope. Instant fail out. I was in the middle of, in fact, reading. I don't remember specifically if it was Soul Bonding, but I think it was in that vein. And I got halfway through and then realized to my, like, horror that 
the way I thought the DS was going, the way that it seemed perfectly, you know, apparent in the setup was wrong. And they flipped it on me. I was just, I was, uh, the switch, the last minute switch. I hate that. I was just like, Oh, why would you do that to me? Ruins the rest of the beautiful thing about this. Clayton is I know exactly what fandom you're talking about. And I know exactly what story you're talking about. (laughs) Because I think that you and I were actually chatting as you were reading this. And I vividly remember your whoopee fuck is this i feel so cheated i want a refund <laughs> when you go halfway through that story <laughs> look listen japan just trained me too well i have a lot of feelings and a lot of times those feelings are not you know interchangeable about how these things should go so. that, that's totally the basis of my like this one person is on top the end yeah. all of that time in japanese fandoms when i was like between the ages of nine and 19 it gets you at the really like vulnerable like critical stage in like your fanish development and you're like yep that's the way it is it's formative yeah um the other thing i would say with this trope is that okay the way i read it is either it's gonna be so bad that it's good or it's just gonna be horrible like so you you think like does that preclude the existence of something that is ds soul bonding that is just like london hq definition of good no no i mean that could happen but chances are you would have to be the one to write it you know, like, I don't trust 99.9% of authors to do that perfectly. So the way I read it is, this is trashy, I'm gonna love it. Or, this is horrible, why did I do this? <laughs> don't worry, fandom, I will never write P.S. Soulbonding. No, she doesn't, she doesn't love me enough to execute that. You can take that. that check to the bank and cash it. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't know, maybe, maybe I would write it for you. Like, that could conceivably happen. It could. I don't think you would, but if you did, it would be beautiful. Like, you, 20-something, I mean, maybe Lepagus, you know? Like, these are people I that I would trust. For soul bonding. Like, like, I don't know. That could be a thing. Right. <sighs> Moving on. Crew is just <laughs> like... Actually, before we move to the next trope, then the, the, the corollary question is, what are your feelings on soul bonding separate from DS? And... DS, which I think is, like, a huge discussion that we could be having here. Because, like, I'm also, like, I think that my problem with the DS soul bonding is the soul bonding part. I'm like, yeah, whatever. I, I just don't dig it. It's not my thing. But I know that, obviously, Hoyden, you love it. Yeah. And MK, I think you dig it. But, like, what about the DS part? Those are both things I love. Like, those are two great tastes. No, I mean, sep- like, separately. No, just, yeah, like, yeah. For stories that are DS. Okay, so again, with DS, I think it's the same thing where it can either go really right, and I will like, oh, okay, there is a DS, no, wait, sorry, there is a, wait, are we doing soul bonding or DS first? DS. I think we already know that you guys dig soul bonding, and I just don't like it. Because seriously, there was a soul bonding story in Teen Wolf fandom that, like, blew me away. There was a, (laughs) listen, here's the thing, this girl started writing... I think everyone knows this story, like everyone. I found this story on Archive of Our Own that was, I was reading it and I'm like, I think this is soul bonding, but it doesn't say soul bonding anywhere in the description, like nowhere. Uh, And I sent it to 20 something and to Hoyden and I was like, guys, pretty sure this is soul bonding. And we all started reading it. It was really long. It was amazing, like so good. And partway through the story, because the girl was posting it in parts, she was like, oh, thank you. Like, people have written in and told me that this is called soul bonding. That's great. That's what I'm writing. <laughs> and we were all like, how is this so good? It was like, it was like feral soul bonding. Like she, <laughs> she, like, came out of the wild. She, like, discovered relativity on her own and was sending it out there. 
It was amazing. Oh, so magical. It was so amazing. Whereas I feel like you can't do that with Dom Sub. Like to do Dom Sub, you've got to know stuff. You've got to do some research, and then you have to be willing to like just just go crazy. Like you have to go all the way. I state for the record that even like clearly by the Dom Sub output that fandom creates, people do not have to know stuff. They do not yeah. do research. I mean, I- not figure shit out before they start writing. Whoa, whoa, I'm not saying, I would say that the people who don't weak Google enough for this, their stories aren't as good as they could be. I think that is we, true. We need to delineate, though, that between stories that are actually consciously DS and then stories that obviously have a pretty strong DS vibe to it but don't explicitly acknowledge it. Oh, yeah, there's a reason. There, there's a lot of that, like, and I don't think you necessarily need to have weak Googled DS to end up with a story that has extremely strong, you know, DS undertones to it. Unless you're exclusively, like, unless you're explicitly having, like, people seening or in some sort of universe where, like, the DS is established, I think mm-hmm. you can get away without having it. Because, I mean, like, the reality of it is, is that I think from a lot of the people who read and enjoy that trope, it's not necessarily the um, the accessories, like the leather and the chains and the bondage that get people into it. It's the power dynamic. It's totally the power dynamic. And for power dynamics, I think that just using good judgment probably yeah. is enough to cover you and, like, make sure that story is good. And I enjoy quite a lot of DS stories. Yeah, well, I'm not saying that I want people to, like, research uh you know bondage accessories like that's not the point i want them to like know how to make it safe and you know like like not bad for the person on the bottom because i've read a lot of stuff where it's just like and now i'm gonna beat the shit out of you and that means we're in love and i'm like that's not what we're looking for like my my like personal rule with ds or you know whatever flavor it is that you're reading is that again like i'm not really interested in the accessories but if the feelings are good, like if the feelings are good and the dynamic is good, then then I'm into it. But I've definitely read DS stories before where I was just like, and skipping all of like the actual technical, you know, whatever details. I'm like, I don't care. I'm like, just give me the feelings. That's what I actually want. Yeah. If the feelings are there, I'll read a lot of things that I would normally not read. <laughs> <laughs> Prue hates both of us by this point. Wait, can we do like a slightly related thing here? Yeah. Nobody yeah. submitted yeah. this. We are never, ever going to get to our second trope. Yes. We okay. are. Don't worry. Um, nobody submitted this, which I was actually surprised by, but Sentinel AUs. <laughs> I don't want to do Sentinel AUs. Just briefly. Just briefly. I've already do Oh, fuck you guys. I hate you all so much. <laughs> don't worry. We'll get to the stuff that you like later. <laughs> no, we won't, because you'll still talk about fucking Teen Wolf during that, and I'll just want to kill myself. <laughs> I promise to limit myself on the Teen Wolf for you, baby. Okay, Sentinel AUs. Okay, okay. So, okay, so here's the thing with Sentinel AUs. If someone says they're writing a Sentinel AU, I click on it so hard the internet should break. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know why you're ad- addicted to those. But here's my problem. Being someone who is basically a Sentinel in real life, like, I have a lot of problems, right? Like, I have a lot of sensory problems. Yes. Because for people who don't know, being a Sentinel is basically like having hardcore Asperger's just on the sensory level. Like, nothing else. Just the sensory level. It messes you up. So whenever I read these things, like, I kind of want to be like, you need, like, a sentinel beta. Like, someone who knows 
what they're talking about and can be like, you just, we need to clean this up a little because you've got the mechanics wrong. Like, like I, there's no way for them to weak Google this properly, but that is my number one problem with Sentinel AUs is not getting the details right. You know what, Phantom? I think what just happened here is that MK just volunteered. No. Sentinel beta, all of your Sentinel AUs, so that you have the Representation of that experience. Whatever. Maybe I'll just write a little document that is like, here's your reference guide for Sentinel AUs. You should do that, MK. It'd be a service to the internet. If you want want better Sentinel AUs, you're just going to have to, like, you know, provide. Yeah. We can move on now. (laughs) That's all I needed to say. It just really bothers me. I know, baby. And it's completely baffling to me, but I know. All right, our next trope that was submitted by... Project um, Mayhem? Actually, before we get to Project Mayhem, I'm going to go with Alucra, because she, she tweeted something, but it was on private, I think. Oh, okay. Uh, she submitted hooker fic yes. as a trope. I, okay, yeah. You Okay. It's just, it's so touchy. Like, it's so touchy. Hooker fic? Yeah. It's, really? Yeah. Yeah. Have you never had, like, huge problems with, like, okay, aside from, like, the issue of prostitution, like, let's just ignore the actual real-life issue of prostitution. Right. The way people write this is horrifying. Well, yeah, but I mean, okay, so I don't, I think the problem with hookerfic is, like, if you're going to discuss the trope, you cannot ignore the real-life issue of prostitution, right? Like, just to give you guys some background as you're all listening to this, like, I work, I used to work for, like, an anti-human trafficking organization. Like, I actually know way too much about prostitution and how all of the mechanics of that work. And, like, if you ever want to have a really long intellectual discussion about it, like, we can do that. But I but I feel like the trope of hookerfic is completely divorced from reality. Like, I feel absolutely zero moral ethical guilt about reading that shit because it's like whatever like it has nothing to do with the reality of prostitution or people who are which is actually bad vocabulary right it's like it has nothing to do with the reality of people who are being prostituted yeah it's just like complete infic right like it's an entire sector of fandom built around fucking pretty women no, I have no problem, like, I'm like, you know what, I have no, like, if you're writing hooker fic, I'm not like, oh, you're supporting the prostitution of women. No, unrelated. You know what, write whatever you want. You're writing. That's, yeah. whatever you write and whatever you read doesn't mean that you agree with something in real life or that you want that to happen or that you think it's acceptable. That's why I say, like, separate that from the actual story. Right, then I'm sort of confused about, like, where the touchy part of it comes in. Because I have read, like, like pretty much, I don't think I've ever read a good prostitution fic. Like, not ever. It's always horrible abuse or, like, <laughs> like okay, in, in Dom sub fic, I like it when someone's, like, not, like, owning them, but, like, that, like, that, like, possession-ness. But when they do it in hooker fic, it feels... Like, like I've bought this person, and now I can do whatever I want for the rest of my life with them. It's, like, really, oh, it makes me super uncomfortable. It runs up against your consent issues? Is this what you're saying? Yeah, there's, like, like I'm willing to go really far into the dupe con, like, really far. But this isn't... Oh, yeah, hells yes, you are. Like, for the record, MK goes, like, into dupe con territory. She goes into, like, the mountains. Okay, she, like, <laughs> was into, like, where the dupe con yeti lives and, like, built the camp. But here's the thing. There's like a gray zone between the dupe con and the non-con, right? Yes. And pretty much every hooker fic I've read has been in that gray zone, and I can't go there. Like, it makes me extremely uncomfortable. I find that so super fascinating because you know me and my, like, 
incredible loathing of DukeCon. Like, yes. I can't read it. Like, anything that is DukeCon is essentially non-con to me. Like, everything I like is with very few exceptions, right? Because it's not, obviously, it can't be a blanket statement. But, like, most things I like have to have enthusiastic and repeated consent. And I find that so weird that you can't read hooker fic that's con. But, like, I'm like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I have a lot of issues with people, like, giving you money to get, like, no, no. And then I'm like, the, the relationship is poisoned. I guess it depends on, like, what kind of hooker fic you're reading, right? Because, like, the classic example that I can think of, like, of the type of hooker fic that I read is Something Borrowed, Something Blue by, I think, The Least, which is a story where, like, this is a J2 RPS story where, like, Jared hires an escort to go to, like, a wedding so he doesn't feel like a loser, and Jensen is said escort. And, like, technically, it's an escort fic, but, like, this is definitely, like, the type of, like let's not lie to ourselves fandom like anytime you see an escort ad that person will fuck you if you pay them extra right so but you have to pay extra there's like a line i'm okay with escort fic no that's still what i'm saying (laughs) like he does he fucks jensen bro like there's sex like he pays for that right in the escort fix i like it's where like sex does not happen until they're off the job like it's like six months later they run into each other I guess I just, like, I guess it doesn't bother me because, like, the intrinsic setup of almost any hooker fic that I would read. So, like, I'm not going to click on every hooker fic, right? Like, the intrinsic (laughs) implied setup of all the ones that I have enjoyed and that I would read that I would click on is that, like, there is a hooker fic situation. But even though they're in this financial transaction, they already dig each other. So, it's like, they would definitely, like, I would fuck this guy anyways, whether or not he was paying me, is, I guess, the implied one. Like, that is, like, this undertone of everyone that I have read and enjoyed. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I would also agree that the, the hooker fix that I have, like, rarely involve the, the person who is a hooker sleeping with anybody else except for, you know, the other person in the pairing. Like, yeah. somehow I'm like... I kind of want to read, like, you know, hooker fic, but on the other hand, I don't actually, I don't actually want to. I, in fact, apparently what I would like is fake hooker fic. So, so like. <laughs> what do you mean fake, fake hooker fic? Like, pretend, like, role-playing. Like, oh. I'm, I'm a rent boy, like. You did that for a, a DRP sextra. I did that for a DRP sextra, and I wrote Inception Smut based on that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember both of those were pretty great. Uh, I also kind of enjoy it when there are two people, one who is not explicitly, who is not actually a hooker at all, but maybe they're in some sort of terrible situation, they work out an arrangement, and then they fall in love. Like, that, I'm like, oh, I'll read that. That I'm weirdly okay with. (laughs) And I'm also okay with police officers going undercover as prostituted people. Wait, does that mean that they actually do the sex, or do they not do the sex? They usually stop, then they, like... Bust whoever else is there, but not the person who, like, had to go on the date with them or whatever. And then later they get together. Such strange, narrow lines in this sort of thing. I find it so interesting because, like, every single, like, every single person has, like, that sort of, like, okay, this is the way that I can accept this. Yeah. It's, like, very specific. It's really intriguing. Okay. So moving on from Hooker Fick, which turned out to be a lot more interestingly controversial than I thought. Okay. So next item is sent in from Project Mayhem, and the trope in question is high school AUs. Okay, so I saw a fanfic flamingo on Tumblr the other day about high school AUs. 
mm-hmm. which basically summed up my feelings. Okay. <laughs> which was hated high school, or like not hated high school, but like disliked high school, you know? Generally, like will not watch anything that is taking place in a high school. So if it's a show that takes place in high school, you write future fic, and if it's a show that doesn't take place in a high school, then you have to write a high school AU and enjoy it. But, like, why would you write a high school AU of a high school-based program? You wouldn't, but I mean, like, do you enjoy high school AUs? Sometimes. Not often. Like, almost never. Hoyden? Uh, it really depends on how they're done. Like, sometimes I'm into it, but here's the thing. The thing with high school AUs that I can never entirely block out of my mind is that uh, I remember high school, and I remember how frequently people, you know, got together and then broke up again, and also how many people talked to, you know, people they dated in high school after high school. And so part of me is just like, no, don't date in high school, because then you'll break up and you won't live happily ever after. So, <laughs> um so I'm kind of shooting myself in the foot before I even start reading. So That's amazing. Sometimes, I mean, depending upon level of fishbowling and other associated desperation, um, I will I will read them and possibly love them, but um it, it's it's always, you know, very caveat heavy. I realized something interesting the other day. Um, because people kept directing me college AUs and I would try to read them and just, like, fail out really early in that transaction. Right? Uh, yeah. And like, I, every time. Every time. Fucking, I don't like them anymore. And the key word is anymore, I realized. Because when I was in college, I loved high school AUs. I read the shit out of some high school AUs. I love that stuff. That stuff sounded really good to me. I think I actually tried to write a high school AU before. I don't think I ever posted it because it was like a fail. But um, I, I loved high school AUs. And then after I left college, like the first two years after I left college, I read a lot of college AUs. But I had already started losing interest in high school AUs. It's and that like nostalgia. Now, it, it is nostalgia, but I don't know. Like you would think that I would have more nostalgia now, but I don't. Like because I didn't hate high school. Like I had a pretty good time in high school. Apparently I was considered a mean girl in high school. Like, I, you know, like, so I don't really have any reasons for not liking it anymore, but I, it's, it's weird. Like, I just have no desire to read it. And like, it's actually a weird turnoff for me. So like, if someone is like, this is a high school AU, I was like, no, I don't like it. No. I already don't like it. I hate it. I like, don't like teenagers on a regular basis. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to like them in this. And it's also like, I had this hilarious moment with my coworker the other day. Like we were at drinks after work and she was telling some story where she was like, blah, blah. Oh, my boyfriend and I started having sex at like some age under the age of 18. Right. And then all of us collectively had a moment where we're like, we made that face. And she was like, I know. Right. Like back then it was like, Oh, this sounds like such a great idea. But now like on the far side of 30, we're all like, Oh, gross. That's gross. What were we thinking? <laughs> Which I think fucks up the high school AU for me. Right. Cause I'm like reading. I was like, Oh my God, you're 17. What are you doing? Even though I know that like, when I was 17, I didn't, like, in my head, I didn't have a voice being like, oh, well, being sexually active now would be irresponsible and kind of, uh, this person is not really the one that I want to introduce my vagina into the world of, like, not being a virgin anymore. Like, okay, you know well, what I mean? Here's like, my thing. When I was in high school, that's exactly how I thought. I, like... <laughs> Okay, I was pretty popular in high school. I had a lot of friends. I went to, like, a really nice high school that is just basically 
100% nerds. Like, very few people had any problems with bullies. If someone was being bullied, the rest of us were like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, you know, it was a nice kind of idealized high school. And right. yet, if a boy was interested in me or in one of my friends, I'd be like, I think that's a bad idea. Like, <laughs> he's a 16-year-old boy. Do you know what 16-year-old boys are like? Like, gross. I was a 16-year-old girl. I was all about some 16-year-old boys. No, but like, I was only now- interested in, like, 40-year-old men. Yeah. Now, with, like, age and experience, it's like, what were you thinking, teenage Prue? Like, if only I had a time machine so I could, like, go back out behind the cafeteria and smack that asshole away and be like, what are you doing? Don't do this with yourself. Don't do it. Yeah, no, I was like... I feel like my brain was 80 and I was in high school and I was like, mm-mm, these boys is dumb. These boys is dumb. You're right. Yeah. Oh, that doesn't surprises me not at all, MK, I have to be honest. Like, it's so, like, quintessentially you that... I'm really judgmental. Yes, yes, But no, I mean, like, the same thing sort of goes with college AUs, right? Like, I... I actually had, like, a really wretched time for half my time in college for reasons that had very little to do with college, just, like, for personal stuff. And so I look back on college AUs where people are, like, partying and stuff like that, and all I all I really remember is, like, having a crazy course load, working, like, two separate jobs and being, like, a raging alcoholic and miserable. Like, I'm just like, your college experience is not, like, my college experience. Yeah, I also find a lot – okay, so there are two problems with college AUs. One is that college and high school AUs tend to be colored by, like, American pop culture representations of college and high school. Yes. Which I find is almost nothing like actual high school or college, right? Like, it depends. I think it depends. Some people actually do have the very classic experience, but I think most people don't. Like, most people don't. Um, And so I'm always like, well, this is unrealistic. Uh, and then I just, like, I fail out. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm uninterested. Um, and the other thing is, I had a similar problem when I got to university, and I was like, I really thought that these boys would be smarter by now, but they're still really dumb, and so are the girls. Yeah. Um, and I saw some horrible things happen. Like, there was a girl on my floor in residence who, in the first week, like, during Frosh Week, was yeah. gray-raped, and then a couple weeks later had a miscarriage in a toilet. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You know? And we had, like, a sexual health and whatever representative on our floor who was someone that you can go and talk to if you had any problems like this, and she was supposed to help you. And that that girl was like, that's not rape. And you didn't miscarry. Like, that's not a... This girl went to a doctor, and the doctor was like, yeah, you miscarried. So... Fuck's sake. I just... When I think of people getting together in university, I'm like, don't. Don't trust those people. Be careful. Don't drink. Don't do all of the things that you read in fan fiction because it's going to end badly and it's not your fault. It's just that these people are assholes. Like, just have a good time without... Like, oh. I just... I want to protect all of these people who are fictional. Fair enough. No, I, I... In general speaking, these days, I am not going to read a high school AU or a college AU, basically, I guess is what it boils down to for me. Yeah, I know that they can be good, but I think you have to be a certain age and in a certain place in your life to enjoy them. Yeah, that could very well be. And I think, too, like, with repeated exposure to, now that I'm no longer in college, that, you know, exposure to students who are still in college or maybe still out, um, it gets harder to romanticize that (laughs) period and that experience when you're just like, Jesus, fuck, shut up. Like, just shut up. So, (laughs) yeah, totally believe it. Um, Okay, so next one put in by a couple people, including Cobweb Diamonds and Fire Holly 99, Hurt Comfort. Yeah. Yeah. 
I love um, me some hurt comfort. But... I think, MK, you and I have the same sort of line here, which is that you can really hurt somebody and hurt comfort, but if you don't, like, come up with, like, an appropriate and, and uh, comfort and, and degree of comfort that makes up for all that hurt, then, then that's where it goes wrong for me. Like, that is exactly hurt. how I was going to phrase that. An appropriate level of comfort. <laughs> like, it has to be, like, let's say that you have X amount of hurt. You have to, like, have an exponential amount of comfort. It has to be, like, X to the power of four. <laughs> Do you know what I mean, though? Like, No, I'm with you exactly. That, that you know, you can't just, you, you can't just have, like, you know, uh, the classic example that is coming to my brain is just, like, you can't have 30K of beating up Rodney McKay and then have, like, 1K of comfort. That's not an acceptable level. Or even 1K of magic cock? I'm sorry, I'm just not buying it. Okay, if magic cock... I was about to say that her comfort is very, very case-by-case. I think it very much depends on the execution and the plot of the story. So, like, I couldn't even comment on this. But if there is at all magic cock in your story, your story is bad. Pretty much. It's just bad. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. It's bad. Why did you write magic cock into your story? If someone was raped, magic cock isn't going to fix it. No, you know what? If anything bad happens to you, magic cock is not going to fix it. Like, I'm sorry. I'll also say that there's, like, a really popular kind of hurt comfort that just offends me so much, which is the, like, self-indulgent, I am the greatest and everyone hates me hurt comfort. Hi. Hi, Loki fandom. Hi. Hi, Hi, half of SGA fandom. Uh, sometimes I read that. Wait, what was the fandom that you just named? I said sometimes I read that. Um, listen, like, I'm not responsible for my decisions, like, when I wake up early on Saturday mornings and start clicking on things. No, just, you are. You're <laughs> always responsible for your decisions, Hoyt. You, you have to own your shame. Yeah. If yeah, someone starts a story and they're like, this character is just so nice, and they do all these things for people, and then people smack them around and are mean to them. I'm like, you know what? Stand the fuck up for yourself and get out of that situation. I know that people are in terrible situations, but this fic is not helping. This fic is just annoying. You've just written, like, a Mary Sue that is about Mary Sue getting smacked around. Good job. <laughs> That's what it is. You might as well give her, like, color-changing eyes. And magic powers, no matter what fandom it is. There's nothing wrong with that. I think that you should give her color-changing eyes and name her Renesmee. Renesmee. Can we spell that with, like, three Ys? No, you spell spell that with the names of Bella and Edward's mom. situation but i think there are better ways to do it than others and there's no right way but there's a lot of wrong ways yes and i and i understand sort of the temptation to do the wallow like oh everything's terrible you should feel so sorry for character x blah 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 but i feel like it's very easy to go overboard with that because there's only so much like i mean i I understand like as a writer like from a narrative point of view like that's very tempting because what you can do is like you crush someone down enough especially if it's someone that your readers love which you generally know who that is in terms of fan fiction um and then they have like 
a great triumphant moment of like kicking ass, taking names and getting revenge on everyone toward the end. Like that's very narratively satisfying, but like that, if that goes on too long, like that becomes, that goes from being her comfort to just like bad fic. You just like slid off the continental shelf into the dark lands, you know? I will also say there's a really weird thing for me where uh, this kind of hurt comfort is really popular in Star Trek reboot fandom. Okay. Specifically where Kirk is the person who's like beaten down repeatedly and then like shows everyone that he's great. And Oh yeah, like where he comes through in the end. Like everyone real like, oh this is like the one where, okay, this is a classic SGA trope to post. Um, Fucking Trinity. <laughs> I hate Trinity yeah. for that reason. So, like, I won't read God Trinity fic. Would treat him terribly, and then eventually, after many months of people treating him like garbage, they all re- they all have like a sudden realization because they realize how bad Rodney has it that they've been cruel to him. And they all like apologize and grovel. Yeah, that pisses me off so much. Oh, listen, I'm not gonna say it's good, but I'm gonna say that every once in a while, I do enjoy a good wallow fic like that. I mean. I just am like, I want a cup of tea. I want a wall effect. That's what I want. I have zero patience for it. Anytime that I was in SGA fandom and someone was like, oh my God, this story is post-Trinity. I'm like, next. <laughs> no interest. None. I, have just, I don't have time for it. I don't have time in my life. I liked a bunch of post-Trinity fic, actually. I know um, you do. You kept tagging it and I was like, no. I was talking specifically to hurt you, MK. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> I was this is just like your entire relationship is just the two of you getting revenge on each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay, next one from <laughs> Steph Quietly and not the KGB Kidfic. Yes. The two uh, kinds of Kidfic. The one where they yeah. are kids and the one where they have kids. I think that when most people say Kidfic, they mean have kids. They but do. But I like both. Yeah, me too. Well, Muppet Babies was popular for a reason. <laughs> um, I mean, many people have already commented on, like, me being the point at the point of self-parody when it comes to Kidfic. Like, Kidfic is kind of your guaranteed silver bullet to me reading your story, right? <laughs> like, if you give them a baby, I will read your story. Like, if it's in a fandom that I'm reading it and they have a baby, I will read your story. If it's in a fandom I'm not even reading in, but your summary sounds compelling enough and they have a baby, I will <laughs> your story like the kid like it's like would you like her to read your story put a baby in it you know like, that's like me with the sentinel au like i'll be like i'm not in gen kill fandom but look a sentinel au click but but i mean having said that like 99 percent of kids think is bad well yeah because people don't know how to write kids kids are super hard to write they are but Kids are basically just little people who haven't been fucked up that much yet. Kids are evil, MK. Well, yeah, no, I hate children, but they're still, like, little people who haven't been fucked up that much. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, like, a, okay, so Neil deGrasse Tyson was talking about what parts of society he's worried about in terms of science, and he yeah. was like, not kids. Like, kids are fine. You know who does fucked up shit? Adults. Adults are like, well, I can't walk under a ladder, that's bad luck. Or like, oh shit, a black cat. Kids are like, ooh, kitty. Adults yeah, are like, holy exactly. shit, that cat is black. <laughs> he was like, adults are messed up. Kids are fine. I don't know what happens between being a kid and being an adult that screws you up, but something happens and you are ruined for science. You know what screws you up between being a kid and adults? Other people. Basically. That is what happens between being a kid and adults. That I, is what fucks you up. I think there's like a, a 
range of caring in children where like there's a certain amount of like, oh, other people care about this, so I should care about it. And at the same time, a certain amount of that's dumb, I disagree and I don't care and I'm carrying on without you. Yeah. And people don't know where to draw those lines in children. And that, for me, is the main reason that people can't write kids. Uh, Hoyden, thoughts? My thoughts on kid fic are I usually actually enjoy it best when uh, the kid in question is, is an actual infant. Because then you get to sidestep all of the... Uh, Precociousness? Yes, in fact. I either want them to be infants or like young enough that they're not that verbal. Because I think it's mainly people trying to write kid dialogue that kind of turns me off. So infant who just cries and, you know, Shits itself. It's fine. Um, See, but I feel like I, I completely agree with you about the kid dialogue thing, which I need to circle back around to because this is like one of my greatest pet peeves. But I feel like having the infant, like almost nobody writes that properly. I used to, I, I've never, I don't have a baby. Like I've never, I, no one loves me, so I don't have children. I can't but give you babies, and I refuse anyway. I feel like a lot of people, I'm sure a lot of the parents who read, like, fanfic involving babies probably have the same thought, where they're like, I think that having an infant is a lot less sexy and romantic and prone to falling in love than people tend to write infants. Like, I'm, I don't have kids, but I used to babysit, like, a six-month-old for, like, a year, and, like, I only had that baby for, like, ten hours a week, and I was exhausted. <laughs> I always look at kid fic, especially infant stuff, as a sign that you should increase the budget for family planning and home ec in high school. <laughs> like, those are some kids who don't know shit about what comes out of your vagina. Wow. That's like a good, like, that is the best ad you can have for government spending in education. Uh, Yeah. <laughs> no, I was going to say that, like, what I, I think I enjoy most about Kidfic is um, shared purpose, actually. I, mm. So I'm, like, I'm less fundamentally interested in, like, the kid itself. Like, the kid to me is almost, you know, I really, obviously I don't want them to talk, <laughs> which we've already discussed. But um, I like the sense of, like, you know, we're bound together by, you know, common purpose and we have to, we have to make this work. And, yeah, we're probably going to fall in love somewhere along the way, and that's really good for me. But for me, it's like the, it's like the working together and, like, the fact that this is a probably within the bounds of the fic, like, a permanent situation. So we permanently have to, like, find a way to work together. So I guess that's really what I'm after in Kidfic is two people who may have previously not had their shit together who are forced to get their shit together, at least to a level of competency, you know, for raising a small human being yeah yeah i see i i agree i think a lot of people's drive in terms of kids think is exactly what you're saying but um i'm weird i like that part but i actually just love kids anyways so i read kid fic for the kids as well which is actually constantly disappointing like of course it is i'm sitting around i'm like dear fandom how many of you really like children could you guys write some kid fic because i don't think that a lot of people who are doing it actually like kids or know them at all because kids are horrible but they're really funny but they're funny you know like they're horrible in a funny way but going like my biggest pet peeve ever ever is people writing accents into dialogue oh god you yes. can sort of do it 
but like it's really really hard to do it well and this is this is you know that's for adults it goes like quadruple for kids like if your kid has like a cute little lisp don't write that into the story like do not write that into their dialogue. Like, you can cite it in the story, but don't write it into the dialogue. Because, like, I will be on, like, page 800 of your kid fic because for some reason kid fics are always, like, massive. And I will be hating you for every single one of those 800 pages as this kid talks. And I'm like, why? Why did you do this to me? Why am I still reading this? I hate you forever. A pox on you. A pox on your family. A pox on you. Wow. wow indeed it's really annoying do you even know do you know what i'm talking about yeah yeah no i do this is like i mean it was for adults but in sga fandom when people used to spell out zpm yes i don't know how to tell you this i'm canadian whenever someone writes the letter z i read it as a z <laughs> so even if john shepherd is saying it i read it as zpm right so when you write in an accent then I had to start going back, and I would have to read half the dialogue as ZPM and half of it as ZPM. And I just don't think I should have to think that hard when I'm reading fan fiction. <laughs> like, I just don't don't make me work for it, okay? I already have an accent. It's in my brain too because it's my accent. <sighs> what if I had a lisp? What if you had a lisp? Well, I don't. I- I see what you're saying about the ZPM thing versus ZPM thing, but as someone who did write ZPM specifically for Rodney, that was on purpose. Like, because I think that a lot of people who read that fic, like, for example, me, like, I never think ZPM. But I'm, I'm, spe- I'm specifically talking about, like, writing an actual act, like, people who write things like try to write a New Orleans accent in dialogue. Oh, oh like anyone who ever wrote Gambit Rogue fan fiction? Stop it. Yeah. Oh. Like, anyone, oh, Anyone who ever tries to write a southern accent into fanfic, like, please don't do that. That, like, hurts my soul. Yeah, like, no. Just don't write an accent into your dialogue. And, like, if you're writing a kid, you can write the you can write the dialogue the way that, like, a kid actually talks. Just, like, don't write unnecessary, like, auditory tics into it. You totally. know, like, you can be actually there, but it's really fucking obnoxious to read. And instead of spelling it out, you could always just add things like he drawled or whatever you know like that's an easy way of being like reminder this person has an accent yeah like don't like you said like don't make it hard for your readers totally yeah like you can reference it within the text and stuff without putting it in the dialogue yeah yes that's what people should do (laughs) all right so now that we've completely offended everyone regarding kids sick uh the next one that came up is also from Fire Holly 99 and this is Action Adventure Jen. But I feel like this is a trope that is, like, super rare out in the wild. You know what? The first fanfiction that I ever read was an incredibly long Action Adventure Jen crossover between, like, Ranma One Half and Sailor Moon. What? Yeah, and they, like, invented a bunch of new Sailor Scouts, and I didn't know that that was, like, maybe not good. <laughs> and I loved it. Like, ate it up with a spoon, printed it out, and kept it in a binder so that... Because we didn't have internet at the cottage when I was a kid. And I had to spend every summer at the cottage. 
that's like all I did in the summer was read that story and like these two other stories that were like romance stories. Wow. Wow. Um, so when it's good, it's really good. But when it's bad, it's really bad. Well, I've read I've read a ton of really good. They're not action adventure though. I read a ton of really good gen fix that are very plotty, but they were like X Files case fix, right? Well, like you say, uh, Ronda One Half. I read tons of Ronda One Half fic once upon a time that at the time I thought was amazing. I have not gone back to reread them because I wouldn't want to like find myself thinking like this is really bad now. No, yeah, I've tried to go back and read a bunch of Sailor Moon stuff and it was all yeah. not what I remembered. Yeah. Right. I just yeah. want to like stay fond of it. So like I do, I'm not going back and I'm not finding my favorite Ronda One Half stories just because I would like like to keep remembering them as great in my head. That's the safest um, way. Yeah, probably. So I like them. I think that they're pretty rare on the ground, especially these days. Yeah. Well, I think fan fiction is, you know, like in the book publishing world, people are like, oh, genre, genres for losers. Genre is like the weekend. And I'm like, Fuck you. You know what fan fiction does well? Genre. What? I don't understand. Okay, if in book publishing, the right. things that they like are straight up fiction. So yeah. like just contemporary stories that are kind of depressing about normal people or nonfiction. Those are the things that, you know, they either hold highly or that sell well. Nonfiction sells the most out of almost anything in the industry other than like romance. But yeah, romance novels. Hells yeah. Right. But people in the industry look down on science fiction, fantasy, romance, mystery, like any of that, which is basically like, that's what people write fan fiction for. They're like romance, probably with sci-fi and some fantasy and maybe a little mystery. Like let's throw it all together. Well, yeah. I mean, but you have to remember the type of people who go into publishing, right? Like with the exception of publishers that are actually like romance publishers or whatever, there's like a certain, they're like all fucking English majors. Like what do you want? Like these I'm an English major and I was like, this is bullshit. I don't want to read all of this boring crap. Yeah, but you're like, you're an exception. Yeah, probably. Okay. You're, you're a singular delight. I don't think we can extrapolate your <laughs> to the world. I would like a singular delight to be what's written on my tombstone. <laughs> okay. Oh, earlier we had a little sidebar that was like, I would like written on my tombstone, here lies Prue. As MK says, she's fancy. <laughs> she is fancy. <laughs> so now you get singular delight, I get fancy. What does Hoyden get? Um, uh, <laughs> a sparkling treasure. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's super true. Thanks, Boo. Thanks a lot. You're a fucking gift, Hoyden. <laughs> Here lies Hoyden. She's a fucking gift. Yep. You, you should feel badly that. that you die or that you're alive and she's dead. That's right. <laughs> um, what are we talking about? Um, I don't know. This is the greatest off topic conversation <laughs> of all time. Um, okay. Uh, next, next trope uh, from Winter Row. This is sort of. Uh, sort of related to one that we've already talked about before, but mind meld gave me feelings mm. or spontaneous bonding. You know what? I love me some mind meld gave me feelings. I don't, I think I'm really creeped out by mind meld only because I can't help but imagine it in the context of like, what if it happened to me? I do not want someone in my head all the time. I do not want someone in my head all the time, but um, I think like the fantasy here is that like, in real life, let's say that you date someone, all you can think is like, oh God, they're going to get to know me and they're going to be like, wow, you're a terrible person. You're like horrible right. and have really annoying habits. If they're in your brain, they're there forever. They have to love you. <laughs> There's like no escape. I see, but that's 
the thing that doesn't follow, right? They're in your brain. They're trapped there. They do not have to love you because they know you now. Yeah, but the, the, the fantasy is that they're like, you know what? I love you anyway. Like, just the idea is that it only happens with your true love and that they are accepting of, like, these weird quirks that you have. And so everything is beautiful and it's like a fairy tale. That's true. And that's what I want from Mind Meld. Like, anytime someone writes, like, we're mind melded, but I'm going to marry someone else anyway, I'm like, what the fuck is your problem? <laughs> Why would you ruin this? You're doing it wrong. Like, you're absolutely, like, I get so <laughs> righteously yeah, it's, angry. It, it's like souls on NDS. Like, they have to do it right for me. Otherwise, like, I'm, I'm out. I'm and out. I'm- and I'm angry out. I'm, like, dropping the microphone and storming off stage out. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's no good reaction to that from me. I'm going to be a diva. I love that mental image of you dropping the mic and walking away from a fanfic, like, <laughs> MK, out! (laughs) It's, for people who don't know me in real life, it's just incredibly unlikely. (laughs) Like, incredibly unlikely. It's like, it's so far beyond just incredibly unlikely. (laughs) Oh, I was trained to curtsy as a child, guys. I think that of the three people on this podcast right now, only I would actually do that. Yeah. I have sometimes, however, been so enraged by a fic doing something that I feel is wrong, that I'm, like, intensely sorry that either, A, I cannot throw my laptop across the room, nor <laughs> can I throw my Kindle. I'm just like, kind of wish you were in paper so I could just, oh. <laughs> Usually when I read something that, like, is so wrong, like, why? Like, I'll, I end up doing that thing where I, like, clutch my laptop and I yell at it like a recalcitrant child. I'm like, why? Why would you I do, do that too. Me? I shake my laptop. <laughs> Why would you disappoint me like this? You know that all I asked is that you get straight A's. Why would you do this to me? I should start putting on some fucking Alanis Morissette perfect. Like, oh. Oh. Be all the dreams that I can't be. Why would you like this terrible story? Oh, it's just, yeah, that's exactly. (laughs) We're terrible people, in case anyone hasn't caught on yet. Uh, Yeah, whatever. You weren't aware of. Somehow. I don't know how. If you made it to this point. I think that we're flawless and beyond compare, guys. I I just want to say. Should that be the subtitle after other things on our gravestones? (laughs) Uh, yes. Fancy. Uh, (laughs) All about compare. Nice. That is, in fact, what is going to be on my gravestone from now on. Thank you. We've got it on audio now, so when she dies, somebody has to remind me to make that happen and fight her parents for the right to do it. I think my mom would kill you in single combat. I've got training. No, your mom would kill her mind. (laughs) I'm sure you got training. My mom is pretty ferocious. before, but we haven't really gone into it. Well, there are two, well, Mpreg, the one I was going to say is genderfuck, even though we've already had an entire episode dedicated to it. Mm. I was not, so I want to talk about it. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> I it. knew that you would have uh, feels. Let's do Mpreg first. Okay. Uh, Hold on one second. Into it? Like, what? <laughs> Don't we already know this, but, well. No, actually, 
<laughs> no, Hoyden, tell us. What are your thoughts on Mpreg? Okay, here's the thing. It doesn't even matter if the Mpreg is bad. Chances are really good I'm going to read it anyway. Like, <laughs> you and me both. High five. I mean... I, I read in my last several fandoms, I read some Mpreg on various kink memes where I was just like, you know what, in no context is any of this okay, but I am reading the shit out of it. Like, <laughs> I actually have Mpreg as one of my tracked tags on Pinboard. You know that on the TV Tropes page, there's an entire paragraph dedicated to your love of Mpreg, right? Yep. Fully aware. <laughs> Guys, I cannot tell you how proud that makes me that that is part of my internet legacy. Because we didn't write that. No, we didn't. We did no. not. If I had written that, I would not have chosen to highlight that. But it's so accurate. I feel like it's an important part of your character for people to understand. Are you sure you didn't write it, MK? I did not. I was impressed at the accuracy of that page. <laughs> No, I will find, I will like Mpreg and Kidpick. Mostly because Mpreg generally leads to some form of Kidpick, right? Like, it's the precursor. I will, I will click that so hard I will break the internet. Like, and, but again, same thing with Kidpick. Like, under no expectations, it will be good because about 99% of it is really not. I think I've made clear my feelings on Mpreg before, but I'm going to highlight my rules again briefly. <laughs> Okay. Always a C-section or some kind of other way of getting it out so it doesn't come out of the asshole. That's rule number one. You know, like, you can fit a lot of things up your rectum, but I'm not saying that you should shoot a baby out of there. I just don't think it's a good idea. That is the singular greatest thing you have ever said in the history of space time. I I want to tweet that, but I don't want to ruin it or, like, spoil the experience of hearing it from dulcet tones. You can always save it as a draft on your phone. No, I just, I just want I just want to like bask in it for a little while. All right. I just want to like play in this pool of brilliance that you just. <laughs> Rule number two: No miscarriages in Mpreg because you know oh, what? Agreed. Like, agreed. if you're gonna have magical ass babies, the point is to have magical ass babies. <laughs> if you wanted to write miscarriage fake, just write it het because there's a, like an actual chance. Like, the point is that this is a miracle baby, all right? Miracle baby has to survive. No miscarriages in Mpreg. No, like, abortions in Mpreg. <laughs> just, it's supposed to be a happy place. Meanwhile, I was, <laughs> meanwhile, I'm sitting here in my head being like, I should really write a story with some Mpreg miscarriage. I wonder if I could trick you into reading <laughs> I think I would sense it going in. Because, like, you've tried to trick me into some terrible things before, and I've been like, wait a minute, something's not right. This isn't safe. It's too easy. It's like, definitely too easy. this. Yeah. Like, unless it's my birthday. That's true. I get really nervous when you start sending me something that sounds really, like, right up my alley. Like, if you were ever like, I'm going to write a Sentinel Empress, I'd be like, nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Because I would be writing the Sentinel Mpreg where, like, one of them had gotten a secret abortion and then the other finds out and then they hate each other and have to live in each other's mind melt while angry. Yeah, it would be like all of the things I love turned into all of the things I hate. In this case, I am Ophelia. I love not wisely, but too well. (laughs) Just hurting me. Except for on your birthday, where I unironically write you things that I find objectionable to my core. Yeah. Cute. 
super cute. Super cute. Tagged so many times on Pinboard by people who aren't even me. Objectionable. <laughs> and okay, for anyone listening, what we are referencing here is Prue once wrote me a story in which Lestrade brings his daughter two cats, Sherlock and Watson, and uh, they're beautiful and adorable. And there's like a Moriarty cat, and it's super cute. And I tagged it close to Canon AU, and Prue almost killed me. <laughs> her, her singular her rage that day was so beautiful to behold. The best was, like, I tagged it and I didn't tell you, and then you found my post and you were like, what the fuck is this? I just wanted you to read it quietly in shame and then never speak of it again. But no, there was a group email about the fact that it was tagged close to canon AU. Yep. Which I stand by to this day. You're right. Gosh, that's super legit. I'm with um, you. I'm actually doubling back from swan fuckery to... <laughs> To the actual trope. I was going to say, the interesting thing about your view of Emprag versus mine is, like, I don't actually like Miracle Baby that much. I don't know. Like, this is complete ludicrous hypocrisy. But there's something <laughs> about, like, if it's going to be Emprag, I feel like I want it to be more normalized. Like, I want it to be that, like, dudes just get pregnant in this universe. And, oh, like, no. they're a baby. And that's, like, exciting for everyone involved. I totally like, want it to be normal unless it's SGA. Like, if it's, like, an SGA fandom, Miracle Baby. If it's like, I don't know, if it's Teen Wolf or something, no. Dudes just get pregnant. Yeah, because I, yeah. I weirdly, I, I feel like Mpreg Fick is like hitting a sort of like pleasure center in my head that comes from the fact that like I am unashamed of the fact that I like seeing people get married be happy and have families like that is like not that's like something that I really enjoy like I love movies that have that thing I like books that do that you know there's a reason that I dig romance novels the way that I do like I like it when people get together and form family units and have adorable hilarious kids like that is like my biggest narrative kink of all time Ah. and in in these cases it's couples that are you know that they're slash couples so obviously they would either have to adopt or have kids and like I don't care which way you go like I think that if you want to get married and have kids like I'm gonna totally read that however you get the kid okay so here's the part where I'm evil okay uh which is that 30 percent of my pleasure at mpreg is honestly men being made to have babies because in real life they don't have to and I think that that is a shame (laughs) if men had to carry babies in real life things would be different yes that is very true like if men had to have periods and menopause and give birth we would have the best medicine in the world for that action but because they don't we don't so in mpreg i'm like you know what you're gonna have the baby bitch deal with it yeah but have you noticed that in mpreg guys don't have periods either like they do in some and it's something i don't enjoy you don't want to know just suffice to say I have read multiple stories. We just speak of another uh, trope that that inter- has I'm not gonna say begun to intersect because uh, clearly it's, it's already it's in the groundwater. It's there. Is this uh, the Alpha Omega? This is like Alpha Omega, like with the like where the- you know, like where you're like in an AU where dudes can get pregnant. So there isn't you know periods, but there's definitely heat. So that's like the other... The heat is like their period, except that they're just really horny and it's dangerous for them. As much as I am... Okay. There's like a certain level of alpha omega that I can handle. Right. There's like the like the butter zone. And then outside of that, I'm like, nope, too much detail. Like, I don't, I don't want to know about your self-lubing asshole. I just... 
I don't want to know about your heat cycle, generally speaking. And I don't want this to be, like, don't let it get weird. <laughs> I don't know how to, like, I know it's already weird, but don't let it get weird. I like, you're such a bundle of bizarre contradictions. Like, you, like, MK totally, like, sussed out. She just, like, bust out with something like this. And I'm like, truly, truly a singular delight. Because... <laughs> I mm. <laughs> yeah, I find it just like so such like completely not you cannot anticipate like the strange and narrow keyhole turns that your torn path goes on, right? Like you, <laughs> like I could never have I ever told you about this one? How like I can't tell what smut MK is gonna like. <laughs> like, yeah. There's, no way to predict it. It could be like, utterly filthy, or it could have to be, like, the cleanest thing ever. Well, see, to me, like, the stuff that you like feels really sanitized. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I think some of the stuff that MK and I have read together recently in a fandom that may involve wolves who are teens... <laughs> um, has been pretty... I think it's run the gamut of, uh... Well, I think that there's a difference between, like... I think that there is a difference between, okay, so I like it in Smutty Fix where it's messy and it's like sort of imperfect and like everybody's rubbing up against each other's like rough edges. Like I dig a little bit of like semen, like I dig a lot of bit of semen, like I like it when it's met, wet and messy and like fucked up a little bit. Like I think that if you're a good writer, you can make that really hot. But it, I feel like MK's version of this is, like, you don't like a lot of that stuff. And I, the problem is, that like, I, I can't navigate that. Like, you have a rocky shoal where it's, like, safe to your harbor of, like, I like this porn. I, like, don't know where, how to get there. So, okay, here's a hilarious example. In real life, one of my best friends uses the word sluice. Specifically, this is going to be disgusting, just so you know. Like, if you want to fast forward this, you might want to fast forward right now. Um, Specifically to describe a wet bowel movement. Nice. So she'll be like, oh man, he like sluiced everywhere. And I'm like, thanks for that mental image. (laughs) And in Teen Wolf fandom, there's a story that, as it turns out, I love called Sluice. And it is not about wet bowel movements, but it took me literally three weeks to work up the courage to click on it. Because it sounded so wet and loose and, like, all I could think about was a wet bowel movement. Um, Dear author of the story Sluice, I'm really sorry. MK's a dick. I'm also really sorry. It turns out that it's about taking a shower in the rain because Derek's house doesn't have a shower because it was burned to the ground. It's really, I, I, it's very cute and hot and attractive. It's, like, a really cute story that is, like... Like, weirdly cute for a plot, what plot? There are no bowel movements anywhere in sight. Oh my god, stop saying the word bowel movements. I'm so sorry, author. I don't know who you are. Like, (laughs) But here's the thing. I have, like, one million word associations that no one else has, and I don't know how to explain them to people, but if I come across specific words, I'm like, nope, done. And as it turns out, a lot of those words are used in porn. Awesome. And that's why my, like, porn choices might be weird to you. They're not weird. They're just, um, it's, it's, it's like, they're, they're really, really specific. And like from experience where I like of the stories that I've read and that you've liked, you like a narrower percentage than I will read. Like, but then again, I recognize that I'm like, I'm super easy. Like I'm easily persuaded. Like there's tons of stuff that I'm normally like, 
I don't know about that, but I guess I'll read it. And, like, if it's good, I'm totally all up for it, right? Like, Alpha Omega is, like, a classic example of this. Um, Every time they describe a wet asshole, I can't do it. I'm all about it. You're going to make that asshole wet together. I'm like, the messier the better. Like, let's go. Well, okay, if they describe lubing it up, I want all the stretching, all the fingering, all of the lube in the world. But if they're just like, oh, you're so wet for me, I'm like, it's an asshole. If it's wet, maybe you should go clean that up first. Yeah, see, I have no problem with that because it's like a completely different world construction. And frankly, like, I kind of like that shit. I like I've always like mentally, I mean, as a female, as like a lady that self lubes, like that is like a mental association. Like if someone is wet for you, like they're enjoying it. If he had a vagina, I'd be like, yeah, get it wet. But it's different. It's like it's the it's the alpha <laughs> omega trope, bro. It's like the, it's, it's a trope. It's the different universe. That's why I'm totally uh, totally up for it. Also, the phrase "boy pussy." What? Okay, what? Uh, guys, okay, this is apparently a thing, and I know this unfortunately because I do have Mpreg tracked on pinboard, which means that like a lot of glee kink, like glee's kink meme fills, come through on my pinboard account like dear glee fandom i'm I'm asking you this out of genuine curiosity where the fuck did you guys get this boy pussy thing from because according to my pinboard like subscriptions page kurt has one and everyone is obsessed with it yes i have no idea like it is a thing that has recently started popping up on my pinboard account like within the last four or five months and it's weird right i don't i haven't read them but, like, the word keeps popping up, and it's, like, in the tags of the entry. So I think it's, like, I'm sure it's a subset of smut. And, like, as a connoisseur of smut and with intellectual curiosity, I'm genuinely asking the question, like, what is this boy pussy deal? So, like, I anyone who wants to, to, like, walk me through that? Yeah, like, please write in and explain like, it. Yeah, exactly. Like, please be my Sherpa into the land of, like, boy pussy kink meme shit. So, thanks, guys. Um, I just, I feel like the term has changed from my understanding of it, because originally it was just, like, a way of referring to someone who liked being fucked up the ass, and I'm confused about what happened there. (laughs) I think it still is. Like, if you watch, like, really degrading gay porn, like, that is still terminology that gets used. Yeah, totally. But I mean, like... I know that it became more popular in the Alpha Omega trope because they're describing that this asshole is a lot like a vagina because they have the heat cycle, etc. But apparently that's not all it means anymore, and I don't know. It's a dangerous world out there. We need guides. True. I think you have to be careful with the term guides. (laughs) We need Sherpas. Someone needs to be our smut Sherpa for this There we go. Okay. Um... But yeah, I I totally like Alpha Omega when it's handled in the right hands. And I enjoy, like, the funny thing is there's certain, um, there's certain fandoms that take to it more than others, like... Inception. Uh, in, well, not as much as X-Men First Class, actually. Oh, but yeah, I don't like... Say, like, so yeah. Inception Alpha Omega, but, like, in terms of Alpha Omega, like, the profligation of it, like, huge in X-Men First Class and, like, huge in Sherlock. I did not (laughs) see that coming with X-Men First Class. Like, I'm not in that fandom for our listeners, so I don't know. I think it's a timeline thing because I think, so, it probably, we started to see it more in in Inception and then X-Men First Class is, like, the next, you know, the big movie fandom after that. Right. It starts in Inception and then X-Men is just, like, everywhere like yeah everywhere i mean to be honest number of alpha omega prompts i was tracking the kink meme at any one time 
while I was like still like heavily into this was well, it was shameful. It was a lot. Was a lot. Uh, not, <laughs> not shameful at all. You were providing a service to yourself and myself. Okay. Uh, the number of times that I that both of us emailed each other like, "Are you reading this?" You're like, "Yes, yes, I am." <laughs> all the time. All the time. <laughs> The funny thing I realized about Alpha Omega, and I don't know whether or not you had this too, Hoyden or MK, um, is that I'm typically, like, I'm only slightly into it as a narrative construct. I'm, like, not hugely into, like, the Alpha Omega dynamics of the world. Like, the world building can be very cool. Like, there are, I tagged a Sherlock story and wrecked it in a previous episode that is all about Alpha and Omega tropes and sort of, like, the really interesting world construction around that, where they did a really cool on it for the most part like alpha omega like serves one purpose for me and that is like super hot porn okay see i think i have the opposite problem here where in teen wolf i find the execution of alpha omega stuff really interesting and kind of well done because it's not often like a biological thing it's more about um like a dynamic and a personality type Mm -hmm. um but i often find like like i read a lot of inception alpha omega dynamic porn and i was like not really into it like it sounded like it should be everything that i would like and i was just like eh this is okay hmm i wonder what i wonder what threw you off that wagon i don't know but i feel like there's a thing in the execution that like it could literally go either like it's a 50 percent chance it could go either way for me and depending on the fandom it like either really works or it just like i'm like oh well i don't believe that at all well maybe you just didn't believe um the pairing as an alpha omega pairing what? in what in inception or something well it's not just that though like sherlock fandom i love like intense dom sub sherlock john stuff like love right. it and as soon as they're like john's an omega i'm like nope <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile of course i'm like completely opposite flip you in that fandom of course yeah of course it is you and i have similar weaknesses executed completely differently completely differently because in my like if i'm gonna read like an actual slash instead of like an asexual gen for sherlock like sherlock is a subby bitch in my head oh that's like oh. my nightmare i know baby i know i love that yeah. shit I can't which is why oh bt what dub Poyden, in that case if you were gonna <laughs> check out the uh the sherlock alpha omega story don't that do I, it I, don't read it <laughs> Don't it's worry, I would have I would have failed out like instantly. I mean, we've already discussed how I have feelings that that are basically ironclad. No, but here's the amazing thing: the morning that Prue tagged that, okay, it was like afternoon her time, morning my time. I think I woke up and it was like seven a.m. Eastern Standard Time, and immediately a message pops up on chat, and she's like, "Listen, before you go on Pinboard, I just tagged something that looks like everything you love. Don't click on it; it's not for you." <laughs> Like that, like even before good morning. And then she was like, yeah, good morning. Yeah, I just knew it would disappoint her. You really should have a tag, Peru. You should just have a tag. Like, this is not for you, MK. This is not for you. Like, generally speaking, though, we do put those notes to each other in the... Because you put notes in your stuff before you're like, don't read this, Peru. Yeah, Yeah. no, absolutely. But it's only on stories where, like, I think that it sounds like exactly what she wants, but will be the opposite of what she wants. Oh, see, sometimes I put it up there because I'm like, this sounds terrible. I really liked it. You will hate it. And I just want you to know before you judge me just based on this summary, it's not for you. It's it's as if I could judge you any harder than I already did. (laughs) 
Yeah, that's probably like a science impossibility, but I just like to get it out there ahead of time. Just, you know, get ahead of that train to be like, nope, nope, <laughs> not for you. Totally accurate. Oh, but last trope, the one that I want to talk about, gender fuck. Gender I fuck. I love gender fuck. Uh, second only to kid fic in terms of getting me to read it. Absolutely. I love gender fuck. I'm very particular about who the girl is, not because I think that some people should be girls, but because I think that some characters, people have a great deal of difficulty writing properly as women. Yes, and I think yeah. that my problem with genderfuck exists in the sense that I have no interest in any story where you get turned into a girl. Like, I do not like any story where, like, magic turns you into a lady and you discover you have a vagina and... Maybe you're stuck that way, and then, like, maybe you can turn back. Like, that's, that's, that's like, fine. I'm sure there are really good stories like that, but that is not the kind of genderfuck that I'm intrigued by. Like, the reason that I'm attracted to genderfuck is that I really want to see the same stories that I'm already really invested in, but I want to know how they would have been different or how the experiences of the characters would have been different had they had the cultural and socialized and gendered experience of being female. Um, And I think that's a really hard thing to write. Like, most people don't write that well. It's not executed well. Okay. Because there's some really easy, like, A, B, C, D plot points to hit. But there's, like, a lot in the subtleties that a lot of people just miss. Best example of this is probably SGA fandom. Yeah. I love gender AUs in SGA fandom. Like, love them to an appoint. To the point of absurdity. Like, honestly, I you were like, Rodney McKay's a girl. I'm like, I'm there. I'm sold. <laughs> Partly because, you know, the issues of, so first, being a woman. Second, being a woman who is incredibly smart and then, like, abrasive and then add, like, in the science community, you're just yeah. fucked. Like, you would have failed. Like, you're not allowed to be like that as a lady. You're not allowed at all. Um, and so I find, like, Rodney McKay, woman, succeeding, or in this case, I guess Meredith McKay, already had the woman's name, like, built in. <laughs> really interesting. Like, just fascinating to me. And when it was done right, I would just eat that up with a spoon. Like, there is an AU that someone wrote about Girl Rodney that I still reread on a regular basis, despite not rereading, like, anything in SGA fandom anymore. But, uh... Lady John Shepard, I had a lot of trouble buying unless you wrote it. Well, I feel like Lady John Shepard, fundamentally. So, like, if we want to talk specifically SGA, like, I struggle. I love genderfuck of both of those characters, but I struggled with genderfuck of both of those characters for very specific reasons. Because Rodney, as a woman, is the type of woman that I hate. Yeah. Like, she is, an, a, she is like, a total pain in the ass. Like, do not, I don't, like... It's like, I have met people like that in real life. I work with people like that in real life. And I hate them. And, like, if it's a dude who is like that, I'm like, oh, well, you have a dick. So you are one. But, like, if it's someone who's, like, a member of the sisterhood, I take that as a personal offense. You kind of expect better of them, right? Exactly. And I, like, dislike that on a more intense level. So, like, in terms of Rodney being Meredith full-time... It's one of those things where, like, I want to like it, but there, that's like, oh, man, there's, like, so many thousand little things that could go wrong in that execution that, like, don't actually mean the story isn't good. It just means that, like, in my head, I'm like, oh, I don't want to read this because, like, more than with Slashfic, like, I want to love that character, right? Like, if it's a woman, I want to root for her and I want to be, like, 100% on her side. And if I can't do that, I don't necessarily want to, like, finish reading that story. Right. Yeah, like, you could, I mean, I think, I mean, at least... As far as I feel that, um, 
when you do have a good genderfuck AU that I am even more invested in the the main character who is a girl for purposes Absolutely. of the story than I am otherwise. And so, you know, if I'm going to be reading something, like, I, I just really want it to be in all ways good for me. So, yeah. like, if it's any part where I'm just like, mm, I don't know if that's really where I want this to go or if that kind it's of... It's kind of like an instant fail Or whatever, then, then I'm done. Exactly. Okay, I mean, so... Oh, go ahead. As, as Well, and, and for the John side of it, I find writing John as a woman, like, intrinsically a little sad. Like, I did write a John as Jane genderfuck. And, like, the sort of mental exercise that I took is, like, yeah, Jane Shepard or, like, Joanna or, like, Joan, whatever you want to name her, could have also been in the Air Force or whatever. But they didn't start having female fighter pilots until very recently. Um, and there are all these other things, like, that kind of pop up. And, like, the more you know about his background, the more unlikely it is that he would have taken this trajectory. Yeah. If he was female. So you end up having, like, an entirely different story. Like, it's fairly unlikely that she would have gone to Atlantis. It's fairly unlikely she would have ever met Rodney McKay. And I think given Rodney's like intrinsic like very irritating chauvinism like that is a relationship that would be even more problematic if it was a heterosexual one so okay I'm this is my last probably my last real teen wolf thing to contribute to this I'm sorry but I have to okay but uh, okay so I don't want to read a story where Derek Hale is a woman because I think he already has a lot of the problems that women have in real life, so I don't actually think that anything would change. Yeah, okay, so canonically, Prue, in Teen Wolf, when no, he was- No, please don't tell me more details. Like, it's just brief. It's so brief. <sighs> when he was, like, 15, he was seduced by Kate, who was, like, in her 20s, and then she, like, used that relationship to murder his family. So I feel like the kind of, like- 15 year old girls i know do connie like relationship with women totally and older people um but like that's like it's an issue that would happen to a female character in something so like it, i don't think anything would change there whereas i really love the idea of styles being female for two reasons one styles is already the only human really left in the group so his character is always the other in a show where, like, everyone else should be other, he is the other. And the other is there was an interesting thing in fic recently where uh, someone wrote Girl Styles, and the first time that Derek pins Girl Styles to a wall, she pepper sprays him in the face. And you were like, you know what, that is actually, like, the reasonable response that you should maybe have when someone is, like, acting really physically threatening to you. Yes. Um, and in the show, Styles just kind of, like, takes it and goes with whatever, but in the fic, she's like, fuck no. Like, you don't do that, that's weird, I'm not gonna be that person. You better never do that again, and he never does it again. Cool. So you actually get to, like, address things that I think should be addressed with styles and aren't. Right. And I think that that shit should not happen on the show anyways, which is why I have a lot of trouble with some of the fic tropes that pop up in that fandom. Um, but, oh, the last thought that I had on genderfuck as a trope was that it's interesting because um, in the feedback that I have gotten when I've written genderfuck, it's like feedback of a different tenor, right? Because when I read slash fic about characters that I love and they are dudes, like people write that they're like, oh, I really love this character. Like that person is like super cool. Like I enjoyed this thing that they did. But when people read genderfuck and like it resonates with the readers who are mostly female on a completely different level. And so like the responses that I've gotten are things like, I really connected with her. Like I really felt for her because I have been there and like, 
I think that's why, like, I, I, like, hold it to a higher standard. Like, I want it to be so much better. Because whenever I'm reading, like, really convincing gender fuck, the same way whenever I'm reading, like, a novel or anything that has a female protagonist, I'm like, I'm not just rooting for you. I'm, in some way, I'm living this through you as well. Like, totally. it should be familiar to me, and I want you to succeed. That's exactly what I'm looking for in gender fuck. I want to identify with them as a woman. Yeah. And you know, have them have to experience the kind of things that we experience on a regular basis. Yeah, exactly. And I don't necessarily want them to be more badass than we are, right? Like, I don't want you to be like the terrible, cliche, strong female character. I want you to be like an actual accessible human being. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you want to recognize that experience. Exactly. You want to be able to identify with them, to project yourself onto them, And then to be like, here's how this issue that we all experience would be addressed if this character were female. Yes, That's really all I'm looking for. It doesn't make it more romantic if they're a woman. It's just more relatable. I think that for me, it kicks up the romance just a notch because I am a woman, you know, like... I, as much as I love slash fan fiction, like so much of it, I read it and I'm like, I really like this. And I like, I totally feel fuzzy butterflies in my stomach about it, but it is still about two guys. And I'm very much shut out of that. Right. Because they're into the cocks. But if it's. They're into the cocks is the best description of slash (laughs) fan fiction I've ever heard. (laughs) I'm a poet and I didn't even know it. Um, (laughs) They're into the cocks. They're into the cocks. But, like, if it's gender fuck, it's, like, even though it's, you're just shifting the paradigm slightly to the left, it, it's, like, oh, that's right. Like, this is, like, hi, there's a lady here now, and now I'm even more swept up in the romance. Because even though it's not me, I feel a little bit, like, closer to it. That's interesting. Just Because, for me, it has nothing to do with, like, if they're a woman, I'm, like, it's exactly the same for me as if they're a man. Like, there's no discernible difference. Such a huge difference for me. Um, But, I mean, I don't know if you get this, but sometimes I'm reading a story or watching a movie or something, and Mm -hmm. I think because I read so much content about just men, if someone gets, like, kneed in the balls, like, my imaginary penis hurts. I do not have that. (laughs) No. If I'm, like, reading something really intently, I might as well be that character. So if I'm reading a story from a point of view of a man, it's well done. For that time, I'm a man. I will always have, um, I will always have a dividing line. Like, I think that being female is such a fundamental part of my identity that it's very, very hard to read some, like, to fully commit just because, like, I really like this. But even the stuff that I write and even the really good stuff that I read, I'm aware that, like, it's not like it's not for you moment, but it's not about me. Does that make any sense? No, I'm with you. I'm with you on that one because... Um, no, I mean, I, I understand that MK has her own peculiar personality facets that make her momentarily forget that she's not allergic to citrus after she's read too much SDA fig, but, but I, I, I think too that I just identify that much more strongly with a female protagonist. I mean, usually speaking that some of that, that remove that you, that I feel when I read slash fic is, is suddenly gone. And then I'm like, I think, I, I mean, I, I guess I would agree with that. I maybe do actually feel it, um, a stronger connection to it. Yeah. Because I, in, I, I think the reality is, is like, not, I'm, I'm biologically female. I identify female, right? So I'm like a cisgendered female. I will never know what I, I can't know 
what it's like to be a dude. Like I will never understand the male experience fully. Um, I can, I can write it semi convincingly, but for a female audience, like maybe like, a, like you take a survey of a hundred guys they are like, no, this is not, a, this is not what it's like at all. The same way that like when women, if you took a survey of women who like read things that guys produce about women, you're like, no, that's not really accurate at all. So, and like, I think on some level I'm aware of that as I'm reading, as I'm writing and, but when you have someone gender fucked and it's like raised, like born as a girl, like that is a person that I have had that experience, you know, like I've lived in this world with you where like we have two X chromosomes and like as a result of that X, Y, and Z has happened, like you and I are kindred spirits and I can tell, especially if it's done well, like I know that like what you have written here is truth. Like that is the way it would go because it has happened to me or I know it would happen to me. I guess it's like, I think of myself as a person first and a woman like third. What's two? Two would actually be like personality traits. Like I, you know, it has nothing to do with whether or not I have a vagina. I have issues in my life related to having a vagina, but <laughs> it's it's not relevant most of the time. That's really interesting. It is, yeah, because I would say that... Um, the older I get, the, the more intensely I become aware of, of to what degree having two X chromosomes, you know, has made a difference in my life and is currently, you know, shaping and, and influencing. A lot of my frustrations in life are around the fact that other people seem to think of gender as like number one or number two. And it's it's really puzzling to me that it would ever be a factor. I mean, except in cases of like your personal safety or the fact that women get paid less and, you know, are in more, you know, they have a lot of issues that men don't. But generally speaking, I'm like, those problems would go away if people stopped thinking about gender as being such an important factor for me. And maybe that's not actually true, but that's the way I feel about it. And so, I don't know, when I'm reading, if I were reading a story about a box, I would feel like a box for the purposes of that story. I get, mm, I sort of see what you're saying, but I feel like those issues that you're talking about are gender, right? Like, when you say gender, like, just saying, like, oh, it's XY versus XX, is pointless, right? Because the, that's just a biological code, right? It like the actual, your actual sex is kind of like, like you said, it's irrelevant. But what, but when I think of myself, I don't think like biologically I'm female. I think about like a collection of experiences as a result of my biological coding. And so when I think of gender, I am thinking about all of that stuff. But like on my personal, like if I'm identifying myself, you know, in the morning, like I wake up the three, like the first thing I realized about myself was like I'm female like that is like the top thing is like I'm a woman oh I like it just never occurs to me like it's completely irrelevant how that's so how like that is amazing I can't decide if that's good or like that's probably good if it works for you that's probably good like that's so foreign to me I'm so constantly aware like am I Hoyden you're with me on this right like I'm so constantly aware of my femaleness no I'm, I'm totally constantly aware and I, I don't want to you know discount MK's um you know experiences and worldviews it's okay uh, guys I know I'm sometimes, weird sometimes they're just extremely unique <laughs> yeah that's Singularly what delightful <laughs> yes in fact Oh, we're going to get a lot of weird mail about this episode. I don't think so. I mean, like, I, like, anytime people talk about gender fuck, like, this is the sort of thing that comes out of it, right? Like, this is the conversation that it spurs because it's, besides, gender changes everything. Like, you cannot, 
you like nothing pisses me off more than when someone does like a gender fuck story and nothing is different except for they have tits and a vagina and the people they have sex with is like slightly different or they have slightly different sex like why did you even bother like that is not at all what i want like that is just fetishizing you know pieces of me versus actually like writing a story that takes a holistic view of Mm -hmm. the experience of a female yeah i understand that it just in real life it doesn't affect me that's kind of that's good I guess so. Maybe we should move on to the slow entry before yeah, I freak everyone out. Like a weird philosophical turn toward the end. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Go from weird philosophical turn to slow. Like, that's obviously... Well, I mean, frankly, philosophical and weird is how you're going to feel after this week's SLO entry. Oh, yes. Okay. Holy crap, dudes. I don't think I'm prepared for this, but but go on. I don't think there is a way that you could ever be prepared for this. Like, it came yeah. into the inbox, and I was like, oh, a slow entry. And then it was like, uh, oh, oh, a sl- yeah. slow entry. Yeah. So, this week's slow entry comes from Snow. And I'm just going to read this to you, because I don't actually know how to paraphrase this experience. <laughs> there is a kink in a particular fandom called the bug cock. As far as I can tell, it is unique to this fandom so far, and it is what it sounds like. Instead of a penis, a character has an insectoid phallus, typically with legs, feelers, and wings, because it really wouldn't work without wings, right, guys, right? And often capable of independent thought and movement. In this particular story, character A has a bug cock, and he is nervous about his first time with his boyfriend, character B, who, by the way, has a boy pussy. So we're bringing it right back around, full circle. So the natural solution is to trick him into getting tied up and blindfolded and then rape him in a creepy, I love you kind of way. Turns out his bug cock has a hive mind with his friend and originates from alien DNA. Character A lays eggs inside character B. Character B initially resists his fate, but then falls victim to the psychic high that is the hive mind and proceeds to happily deliver 12 winged maggot babies. The end. And that's why I was like, there's no way to react to this properly. I'm horrified. Just horrified. Just silence. Listen, I know the scene is not over yet, but, but... Damn, I think you have to I like you have to crown that person right now. I just <laughs> We the season's not over, so we can't crown her yet, but Snow, holy fucking shit, yo. Like <laughs> Oh my god. Like, I have to tell you that when I read this, like I read this at the office because my life is terrible. Like I was sitting there at work and I got to the point with weirdly, I got to the point with capable of independent thought and movement and just like curled up in my like $200 desk chair. Like, ah! <laughs> I got home. I saw that. And I was on chat with 20 something and I was like, we might have a winner for this season. And I'm going to read this to you right now uh, before you can say no. And I think I ruined her life. I think we've ruined a lot of people's lives with this. You can't see my face. The face I'm making is... Is Is it beautiful? No. Is it a rictus of pain? I think it's probably a rictus of pain. (laughs) Bad. Definitely bad. Yeah. What? Just, Slash Reporters, I'd like you to bask in that for a little while. Yeah, just like stew in it until your fingers get pretty. I'm pretty sure that one's going to stick with you. Yeah. No, I'm already trying to block it up my mind. Ew. It's gonna, it's gonna be a scar. It's gonna be a scar on your heart. Just I don't. I already don't like insects. Like that was just like 
maybe one of the worst things that ever happened to me. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say you're welcome on Snow's behalf. Jesus. Uh, that girl is and, strong like an ox. Oh, shit. She's, she may be strong as a poke ox, which Gaffy Labs coined. Uh, also, I would just like to say, I don't want to know what fandom that is that has this as, like, a common trope, and yet I'm also really curious. Yeah, it's, like, horrified, but, like, interested, right? Right. Like, like last mark of a slow entry, though, you're like, I don't want to know about this, I kind of want to know. Yeah, well, like, it's, it's more like it makes you think, you're like, because there has to be a reason that bug cock is a thing, right? Like, that didn't just come out of nowhere, like. Right, there's gotta be, like, a reason. Yeah, like, why, why did Bugcock happen? Also, fandom, you're on notice. Do not make this like Nodding was, or like so many other fandoms, like Alpha Omega was. Do not put this in the groundwater. I do not want to see this shit popping up on my pinboard. Nobody had better turn Bugcock into a multi-fandom smut thing, because I am not making a diagram about that in a year. To be fair, I don't think that that's the kind of thing that would fly as a multi-fandom. Like, Whatever fandom this is, it's got to be a little bit fucked up. Yeah, but see, I thought that about Nodding as well. When really? it was just SPN, yes. Because I never thought that Nodding was, I was like, yeah, that's going to spread. No, because I thought that was, I thought that was a little fucked up because it's like just on the edge of bestiality. It's not really just on the edge of bestiality. Yeah, but like, see, it's normalized now. You have to remember that like the first time I came across it was like two years ago. I and guess... it was literally just on the edge of bestiality because it was a takeoff of a bunch of bestiality stories. Right, but you saw it happen, like, in the moment, whereas I was just like, well, he's a werewolf. Of course he has a knot. And no, see, it's not just in werewolf fandoms, though. No, no I know. Basically, I'm just saying, I do not need Bugcock in other fandoms, people. The end. Okay, so moving on from Fair Morning, no Bugcocks, to Rex, the Rex section this week. We're going to let Hoyden go first, because she's the only one who's actually prepared. <laughs> Yes, and this is doubly hilarious since I only got called this podcast like five seconds before it started. And I was like, I gotta find some Rex. Um, but I do. I do have Rex, but only because um, my current fandom is very good to me. And so I just went to my pin board and looked at it for like two seconds. And I was like, three trope Rex right here. Let's do this. Um so these are all hockey RPF. I'm sorry if you are not into that, but you should be. It's great. Um, what do you need to know about it, really? Like, dudes playing hockey, stuff happens. It's fine. Um, but my first one is called Enough to Crush Your Veins by Dr. Denmark, which is a uh, story featuring Eric Stahl and Jeff Skinner, which, again, if you don't know who these people are, it's totally fine. All you need to know is that they met while they were competing in the Olympics, and it transpires that... Uh, Jeff Skinner, who is a, you know, bright, budding, uh, was going to be a figure skater, was a figure skater, but in fact um, has knee injury that takes him out of the picture, um, ends up basically to live in babysitter for Eric Stahl's three-year-old son. And it's kind of like, it's like kid fic, plus, you know, Jeff is trying to navigate going to college and giving up, like, his dreams of competing in the future, and they fall in love. It's great. I mean, it's like, wow, my God, it's like 70K. It's so good. Like, I think I spent like one day where it just like ate my entire my entire day. It was maybe the best life decision I'd made. Um, <laughs> um, the second one is called Not a Heart of Gold by Queenie Galore, which is a Jonathan Taze, Patrick Kane fic, which is maybe my favorite example of actually the tag for this fig is golden. It's kind of, the tag for this fig is kind of not really prostitution. So okay. 
Um, it's in which uh, Jonathan Taves apparently, uh, you know, there's some locker room talk and it transpires that he sort of gets hooked on the idea of like, you know, paying Patrick Kane to have sex with him. Like somehow that, like, that's like a thing that really turns him on. But he doesn't actually pay him to have sex with him. And instead, like their whole relationship just sort of, you know, goes along this trajectory of um, basically paying Patrick Kane to do stupid shit, like get him a Gatorade and, you know, to try and like pursue that dynamic without actually committing to the sex part. So um, I think it would be like MK safe because nobody's actually paying money for sex. It's just like a, it's a power dynamic issue. Sounds good to me. Um, it's delightful. And then the last one is, Tied If We Stayed by Starfloor, which is another uh, Jonathan Taze, Patrick Kane fic. And this one is about one of my favorite things, which is fake dating. Um, only in this case, it's sort of like they had an established relationship, except for uh, it was kind of like fuck buddies. And then all of a sudden they're like, nope, we have to really have to commit to this, you know, in public relationship, even though, you know, we're not in love, except for obviously they are. So, um, <laughs> Yeah, no, so those are my, my three trope picks for the week. I think they're all, like, beautiful examples of things that I love. So hopefully you like them, too. A plus. They sound pretty great. <laughs> I'm definitely okay. going to read some of those. Okay, I only have one wreck this week. And it's unusual because I'm wrecking a work in progress that I think only has one or two parts out right now. Interesting. But the concept is so good, and so far the execution is so good that I have to tell people about it. Okay. All right. It's called Black Sheep by Jebiwan Kenobi. Okay. It's a Teen Wolf story. And the premise is, this is like, they were like, you know what's wrong with Teen Wolf? Scott. Like, Scott is basically the problem. Like, he's, isn't he the main character? He is. And he is the problem. Like, like, listen, if you were going to fix the show, the first thing you would do is get rid of Scott. So what this author did is like, a while ago, I don't know how long it is, let's say like a year or two, Scott and his mom moved to like Florida. So they no longer live in Beacon Hills, California. And then Allison Argent moves into town and she and Styles become like best friends because they're both awesome. And Allison is the one who gets bitten by Peter. Her family is still a family that hunts werewolves, but now she is a werewolf and she can't let them know. Interesting. Right? So... And here's the great thing, like, Allison and Styles, when they aren't around Scott in the show, are actually really, like, smart and sensible people. And so in this story, things are handled very differently than the show because they're not going to be dumb like Scott. Like, she's like, I got invited to this party. I can't go because it's the full moon and I was just bitten by a werewolf. Like, I have to tie myself up somewhere. Right. Like, like this is the kind of amazing thought process that they have. Um, I the greatest thing about that is that that is not what happened on the show. You're just like, isn't that what you would do? Right, no. Scott uh, was like, I better go to that party. There's a hot girl. They didn't cut out that element, by the way. On the first day of school, Allison meets Lydia and is like, holy shit, that girl is amazing. And Styles is like, right? I have the hugest crush on her. They both love Lydia. But like, you know... It's going to be Allison and Lydia in the end. Let's be serious. But, like, so many great things happen in this. And it's only been, like, one or two parts. Like, they tell the sheriff. The sheriff is involved now, which is going to make things so much better. They're not like Derek must be evil. They're, like, getting help from Derek and helping Derek. And they're learning things about the hunters because Allison is a werewolf. Like, it's already amazing. this show. Like, if that show existed, I would probably watch that. Exactly! It's the show that... MTV, frankly, should have made. And so that's why it just, I'm enjoying it so much. Awesome. Okay, so I have three recommendations this week. 
the first one is If They Knew You At All by Meaty. It is a supernatural gender fuck story where Dean is a girl. It's fairly short, but excellent. Meaty is very, very good at this trope, right? Like, she is one of those people who takes into account, like, like I've like I was ranting about, like the whole experience of being human. And this is a really lovely story because it's Castiel viewing Dina Winchester and it's just pitch perfect and delightful and just a little bit hot. And I love that. Okay. So my second story uh, comes with a bunch of warnings because it is an inception fic that posits that Arthur is the kid from mysterious skin, all grown up. And it's called you let your ladder down for those who really shine. So Obviously, prostitution warning, uh, rape warning, and child abuse warning. But it is the singular story that I have read that addresses all these things in a realistic and really beautiful way. And probably the only story that I have ever read um, that actually addresses the full consequences and true circumstances around what it's like when you are a kid and you are being prostituted. It's really sad, but it's also lovely because it's wrapped up in this comforting warm blanket of like terrible things have happened to you in the past but they're not going to happen to you anymore and this will only really make sense in the context of this story but it ends with Eve's giving Arthur his own bathroom and it's just if you know what happens in Mysterious Skin and you know what happens in the story once you read it you're just like blown away by the love and tenderness in that move. It's just, it's great. Even if it's not usually your cup of tea, like, I loved it. And I thought it was, like, the only good, ex- like, well, not the only, but, like, an exquisite execution on concept. And my last, my last recommendation is another sort of, it's not gender fuck, but it sort of is. It's called Intemperance by Basingstoke. And it is a Sherlock Holmes story, but it is a movie Holmes story that posits that Sherlock is actually female and has been living as a man her entire life. And this story is so interesting um, because it begins basically with John Watson having to finding out that Sherlock Holmes, his longtime friend who is a dude is pregnant because she is actually like, he is actually a she and occasionally like has gone out and had some assignations with people um, like in back alleys. It's such an interesting story, like really well written. All the characters are wonderful. John and Mary are married and Sherlock, you know, even though she's gendered as female is male in her head and she doesn't want the baby or whatever. And like, it's such an interesting sort of like OT3, like uh, examination of gender in the context of like Victorian England and how like Sherlock Holmes will always break every rule possible because he is Sherlock Holmes and he cannot be confined by simple delineations like that. Loves his pieces, such an interesting, like very thoughtfully written story. Really fun. And that's it for me. That sounds great. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, we have to end this because we seriously. Have to end this. We're wrapping this up. This is like the longest goddamn episode ever. Yeah, it's probably the longest we've ever recorded. Well, everyone did say, like when we said we were going to talk about fandom tropes, they were like, this is going to be five hours long. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. no, yeah. yes. And then it was the three of us. That was just like, it was basically going to happen anyway. So Yeah, we could probably continue talking about this forever if my computer weren't like failing. 
All right, guys. Thank you for hanging out with us for all 700 hours of this podcast. Um, We will catch you on the flip side. Bye. talk to some dead people today and then you can i want like i love that i want that to be on my gravestone i don't know you're fancy <laughs> are you recording oh i've been recording since God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> moving on that's the give point of having a wolf pack right shut up yeah give me three seconds of silence <laughs>